For someone that's never been to like a New York style slice place, there's very much a ritual for it. When you walk through the door, the first thing that you usually see is a big case full of pizzas, a couple different pies. You'll see a pizza man in the back making pizzas, maybe flipping them in the air. Luigi's on Fifth Ave is quintessential slice. When you walk into it, it's basically a place that's stuck in time. Gio, the owner, has a lot of pride for his family, for his culture. He knows everyone's name. He knows everyone's order. His sisters work with him. When you're a regular at a family place, it feels like you're part of the family. My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States. Through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. In that intro, you heard a YouTuber from Munchies, which is actually a really cool channel to follow on YouTube if you're interested in food, talking about the typical New York pizza experience and kind of what the traditional shop is like. I'll provide the link in the transcript, so check that out. And in today's lesson, we're actually going to be talking about pizza and how it came to the United States. We'll also touch on how it's changed over time. But before we get to that, we're going to start with a joke an expression, and some pronunciation drills. So the joke first, what do you call cheese that isn't yours? Nacho cheese. (laughs) All right, this is a really popular joke in the U.S., nacho. It sounds like not your. Sometimes in English, when there's a T next to a Y, it makes a ch sound. Right. For example, I bet you he's not coming. I bet you he's not coming. Or why don't you come to my party? We don't say why don't you come to my party. So we connect the T with the Y and it turns to don't ya. So not your turns to notcha. <laughs> Nacho cheese. Okay. Once again, what do you call cheese that isn't yours? Nacho cheese. Right. And of course, nacho cheese is that creamy, I guess it's cheddar cheese that's commonly put on top of tortilla chips if uh, you want nachos. And so today's expression, which kind of fits with that, is cut the cheese. Uh, And I bet some of you probably know this one already. Cut the cheese means to fart. And so it can avoid a lot of very awkward situations by learning this expression and how to use it. So to begin with, we'll go through the definitions of each individual word. So cut. Cut means to divide into pieces with a knife or another sharp instrument, right? It's kind of the most general term we use when we're talking about cooking. So cut the vegetables. It's similar to slice the The is a definitive article. The cat. It's a specific cat. The cat. Not a cat. Cheese. And cheese is a food made from processed curds of milk. Some popular types of cheeses in the U.S. are cheddar, gouda, brie, provolone, parmesan, Swiss, gorgonzola, blue, feta, and goat right? So just regular goat cheese. 
So the definition of cut the cheese means to fart, to toot, to pass gas, to rip one, to break wind. And there are so many other different ways to say to cut the cheese or to fart. Uh, but I would have to say um, to fart is probably the most common. And cut the cheese is also incredibly common. Everybody knows it. It's commonly actually used in a question. Who cut the cheese? In other words, who farted? I have two tips here to begin with. Tip number one, if you need to literally cut the cheese at someone's house, so maybe you're having a wine and cheese party and they hand you a knife and you ask them, do you want me to cut the cheese? (laughs) It's best to use a synonym for cut. So I recommend saying, would you like me to slice the cheese? Do not say cut the cheese in every circumstance it means to fart. (laughs) Tip number two, if you have stomach problems and you go to the pharmacy to ask for gas pills, it's best to say that you're passing gas. So this is the most proper way to say that you're farting. What are your symptoms? I have a stomach ache and I've been passing a lot of gas. Do not say you're farting um, or farting a lot or cutting the cheese or ripping some. The pharmacist will probably die laughing and so will everybody in the, the, the vicinity. <laughs> All right. Can't believe I'm talking about this, but it's actually important to avoid embarrassment. All right. So the origin of the expression, well, according to phrases.org.uk, cut the cheese appeared either in the 1950s or between 1965 to 1970, depending on who you want to believe. There's the thought that the phrase arose due to the cheese itself. If you think about cheeses that are sold at the grocery store, uh, a lot of times when they're from the deli, they come with a rind, right? This hard outer layer, which keeps the cheese fresh. And in fact, it actually reduces the smell coming from the cheese. So once the cheese is cut and the rind is split or broken, then of course the smell of the cheese comes out. It smells much worse. So examples of how to use this expression. Example number one, you walk into a room and it smells of rotten eggs. You look at your dog and then your friend Jeff, who's sitting next to your dog. You can ask, who cut the cheese? In other words, who farted? (laughs) Was it you or your dog? (laughs) Example number two. Yesterday in math class, someone cut the cheese. In other words, someone farted. Someone passed gas. Someone ripped one. It was silent but deadly. The whole class asked if they could get up and leave for some fresh air. Example number three. Imagine you go to the grocery store and there's a little old lady in front of you who cuts the cheese. She farts. She passes gas. What do you do? Do you leave the line? Do you go somewhere else? (laughs) Now we'll do a listen and repeat exercise. We're going to use the question, who cut the cheese? And once again, this just means who farted. So repeat after me. Who? Who cut? Who cut the, who cut the cheese? Who cut the cheese? Who cut the cheese? Who cut the cheese? And now the conjugation, I cut the cheese. 
You cut the cheese. She cut the cheese. He cut the cheese. We cut the cheese. They cut the cheese. It cut the cheese. There is a stop T on the word cut. 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 Notice how I don't pronounce the T at the end. I press air out of my mouth and stop. Cut. Cut. You need to put emphasis on that. Now, we do not pronounce the T in cut. However, we do pronounce the TH in the that follows. She cut the cheese. Cut the, cut the. She cut the cheese. It's time to learn the fact of the day. And today we're going to be talking about something related to cheese. Can you take a guess? What do you think America's favorite food is? Well, according to the Harris Poll, who interviewed 2,000 Americans, they found out that it's not pasta and tacos, which both came in fourth and fifth place. It is not the American hamburger, which came in third place. It wasn't steak, which came in second place. It was pizza. 21% of the 2,000 Americans interviewed said that pizza was their favorite food. In fact, according to a recent survey completed by Mintel, 93% of Americans eat pizza at least once a month, and 40% have pizza once a week, and that's according to Technomic. So it's not the hamburger, people, it's the pizza. And so where does this tradition come from? Well, we can't really talk about pizza unless we learn a little bit about the mass migration of Italians between the years of 1880 and 1914. A total of 13 million Italians emigrated, and which is the world's largest voluntary emigration in recorded history. In total, 4 million came to the United States and about 84% of that 4 million came from Southern Italy or Sicily. But why did so many people leave Italy? Well, there was economic hardship after reunification, and it just so happened that the United States had just finished the Civil War, and there was a labor shortage. The United States needed more workers to construct buildings, to work in the mines, to do agricultural work, mill work, factory work, The United States recruited Italians. We wanted them to come. And in fact, we can thank the Italian immigrants for helping build the transcontinental railroad from Nebraska to the West. So apart from manual labor, some of the Italians decided to bring their food culture. And they did so by opening some pizza shops. So as you know, Southern Italians, well, Naples in particular, is famous for creating what we know as the modern pizza. They added tomatoes, tomato sauce to the pizza in the 1800s. In 1905, the first pizzeria was opened in New York and it was called Lombardi's. In that Munchies video, the co-founder of uh, this Lombardi's shop, John Brescio, said, 
Soho was where all of the Italians lived. A lot of the factories were also located there. And because Lombardi's was open 24 hours, Gennaro, and I'm probably butchering his name, sold a lot of his pies or his full pizzas to all of the factory workers. We don't use this word in California, by the way. Pie is a term that's very much used, I think, on the all of the East Coast. Correct me if I'm wrong, if someone's listening to this and, and knows the answer to that. But I know in New York, they say pie for a full pizza. Pizza remained within this Italian group until after World War II, when some of the American soldiers who were stationed in different countries in Europe came back, had learned about pizza, and thought it was wonderful that these shops had opened in the United States. So it became increasingly more popular after World War II. So even though um, a good portion of the Italians that migrated to the United States from 1905 to 1920 went back to Italy afterwards, many of the original pizza places remain. So even if you go to New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, New Haven, Trenton, you'll still find a lot of these original pizza places. So what's the difference between Neapolitan-style, New York-style, and Chicago-style pizza? Well, New York-style pizza is thin and airy, and it's hand-tossed with a huge variety of toppings. If you go into a New York pizzeria, the pizza is often sold by the slice. In lots of places, also a whole pie is sold or a whole pizza is sold. When we talk about Chicago-style pizza, we're talking about deep dish pizza, a full pizza that's made in a pie pan. So the dough is thicker than in a New York pizza, and it's often cooked longer because of that thick dough. So you might have more toppings based on the place you go to. And of course, because they want to avoid burning the cheese with that long cooking time, it usually goes underneath the sauce rather than on top. Uh, Neapolitan, on the other hand, well, according to the Associazione Veraci Pizza Napolitana, and I probably butchered that name, so don't judge me, in order to have a certification that you have a true, authentic Neapolitan pizza, you need to have Italian wheat flour, brewer's yeast, San Marzano tomatoes from Italy, or tomatoes, tomato, tomato, same thing, <laughs> Um, and also one of the following types of cheese, the fior di latte made from cow's milk or the mozzarella di bufala, which is made from water buffalo milk. And that's usually from Campania or the Lazio marshlands in Italy. And of course, you need to have very fresh ingredients, all natural. In terms of preparation, Neapolitan pizza cannot be rolled with a rolling pin, so it needs to be done by hand and it needs to be cooked under 90 seconds. Now, in the U.S., it doesn't make sense to have a true Neapolitan pizza. All of your ingredients would probably not be very fresh uh, because you would need to import them. So it's more realistic for U.S. traditionalists that want to have an authentic pizza to have a Neapolitan-style pizza, and that's with thin crust with maybe some bubbles, for some fresh ingredients like tomato sauce, fresh basil, and fresh mozzarella. Some of these Italian immigrants truly want to keep the tradition of having Neapolitan-style pizzas at their pizzerias like Patsy's or Totono's. 
others say, well, you have to really adapt to the region. So they add flavors to them, like Frank Pepe's in New Haven, Connecticut, that started adding clams to the top of his and became incredibly popular. Nowadays in the United States, you find a lot of pizzas that add very interesting ingredients to the top. Maybe some ramen. You might find barbecue sauce with grilled chicken, Thousand Island dressing, sauerkraut, pastrami. Anything can go on top of the pizza in the U.S., which I'm sure in other countries wouldn't fly. Wolfgang Puck, who's one of the most famous pizzeria owners in the U.S., said, well, if we want to make pizza the way they did in Naples 300 years ago, it's okay. I'm not saying it's not good or whatever, but it's not our style. And so he was asked, so do you think authenticity is overrated in certain things? And he responded, authenticity. I love it when you go to a place. You know, when I'm in Italy, I want to taste Italian food, but America is a melting pot of cultures. So I think there's nothing wrong with melting some of the cuisines together. So, all right, before wrapping this up, I'd like to share a few more interesting facts about pizza with you. So Patsy's in New York was the first to offer pizza by the slice. So that's probably the most common there now. Um, another fact, dough spinning has its own professional level sporting event at the World Pizza Championships, including freestyle acrobatic dough tossing, fastest dough, largest dough stretch, fastest pizza box folding, and pizza triathlon. All right, very interesting. Another fact, Hawaiian pizza was invented in Canada. So Hawaiian pizza is the pizza that comes with pineapple on the top and with ham. Oh, America's most popular pizza topping is pepperoni. Just to clarify, pepperoni is not a vegetable. Pepperoni is sliced like salami. It's usually red and it's a little bit spicier. Very delicious though. It's a meat. Another fact in 2013, a group of NASA-funded scientists invented a 3D printer that could cook pizza in 70 seconds, and it was actually edible. <laughs> Another one, a U.S. military lab invented a ready-to-eat pizza that can last for up to three years. So there you go. If you ever want to go to space, want to go to Mars, and you're not sure how long you're going to live, you can have a ready-to-eat pizza that'll last you a very long time. Not sure how healthy it would be, but in any case, it exists. So that's it for today. If you have any questions, please let me know. Inside of the document, I will add all of the links for all of the information that I provided today. I needed to look up a lot because that was not common knowledge for me. So hope you enjoyed and until the next time, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.